0: Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much. Yeah, the ladies, they do don't—they—they have a cup of tea and 200 people show up. <laughs> guys, we've got to sit here and beg you guys to come. So, I'm counting on you to show up. Guys, listen to me. We get stronger when we hang out together. A couple of people realize that. I say we get stronger when we hang out together. Amen. Ladies, make it hell for them until they sign up. <laughs> It'll be in your interest. Amen. All right, listen, we've got to jump in. Okay? I cannot go back and review everything from the very beginning of this series. I'm counting on you, please. I'm begging you. If you have not been here for the past three weeks at one point or another, maybe you missed just one week, please, please, please go to the YouTube channel. Go on our website. Go listen to these other part, part one, part two, part three. It's impossible for me to review everything and and then wrap this up this weekend. And this is gonna be the last, the final installment, the final segment of this series. And this is the one that's the most important because everything up until this point has been like introduction. It's been foundational stuff. So I can't go back into the very beginnings of it. I'm gonna count on you to do that. This is what you need to know. Our identity of who we are now in Christ, and I'm speaking to those of us who have taken that step, that have professed and confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, If you have not done that yet, please listen to the message because you will have an opportunity before you leave here today. If you had never yet said a very simple prayer to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, stepping out of your old self and stepping into your new self in Christ, you will have that opportunity before we leave today. But I need to just jump into this material now. Now, Our identity in Christ is a spiritual matter. I'm gonna gonna emphasize that all throughout this message here. It is a spiritual matter. Why am I emphasizing it's a spiritual matter? Because before you came to Christ, before you declared your faith in Him, and you experienced what the Bible calls being born again, your spirit was not alive unto God, your soul was alive. But your soul is alive unto you. Your spirit gets connected to God in heaven by the Holy Spirit when you experience that, I don't want to really call it a conversion. It's more of a born again, born from above, born by the spirit experience. Okay? Up until that point, you're living in the natural. To go back to the very beginnings for just a moment so that you would understand this, I'm going to come back to this topic at the end before we leave today. When Adam and Eve fell, what do I mean by fell? When Adam and Eve defied God, went against what God said, God told them you could eat of any of the fruit of any of the trees in this garden that God had made for them. He told Adam of that tree that's in the middle, do not eat of it. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Someday I may go into that teaching, but right now let's just take that at at face value, okay? Uh, This is an event that really happened, all right? This is not a fairy tale. This really happened, okay? Listen to me. At that point in time, when Adam and Eve defied God, did what God said not to do, they brought into the earth experiences that you and I have now that were not supposed to be part of our human experience. They brought in death, spiritual death and natural death, okay? Okay? spiritual death came when they rebelled against god natural death came as a result of them allowing sin to come into our experience we were not created that way okay but they allowed it to come in when they ate of that tree whatever form that took we don't really know but when they partook of what god said not to partake of their eyes it tells us were opened and they became aware of their natural surroundings. Okay, I want you to hold on to that. That's why you and I, from the time that we have consciousness, from the time that we are born and are able to tell uh, right from wrong, at that point in time, we become so absorbed with self so absorbed with our natural surroundings. Remember, the Bible says that their eyes were open and they knew they were naked, which tells us that before their eyes were open, they had no clue. They were not aware of themselves. They were totally captivated by the presence of God, and that's how God created us to, be, to begin with. But when sin came into the world, all of a sudden now, a whole new experience opened up to them. They became very much aware of their self. They became very much aware of their surroundings. They became aware of the fact that they were naked. They took steps to remedy that. Instead of running to God and saying, God, we're so sorry, we shouldn't have done this. Please forgive us. They took fig leaves, sewed them together. What did they do? They tried to cover themselves because they became self-conscious. And from that moment until now, mankind is very much more comfortable in natural surroundings very much more comfortable with sin, very much more comfortable with rebellion against God than we are comfortable in the presence of God. I will give you an illustration, then I gotta get back to my notes, okay? When you, before, if you had the same kind of experience that I've had, and I saw from the other services that many people did, before you said that simple prayer from your heart, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I know that you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. Come into my heart. Before you did that, if you were like me, I would try to open up the Bible, and none of it made sense. It was like, what is this talking about? What is this talking about? But I remember within days after I received Christ, after I prayed that simple prayer, I opened up the Bible and went, oh, my Lord. I see this now, I see the connections. It makes sense. Why? Previously, my spirit was not alive unto the author of that book, and neither was yours. Our spirits were dead. we were disconnected from God. Now we had an intellect, and that 's where religion comes from. Religion tries to approach God with reasoning, with understanding. Many times you would read the Gospels and Jesus said, and he knew their reasonings. He understood what they were thinking, and he would try to correct them, okay? Because we're constantly in our default mode. We'll go back to the natural. Well, this doesn't make, what do you mean born again? Nicodemus did the same thing to Jesus. When Jesus, when Nicodemus came to meet Jesus, and Jesus said to him, look, stop all the religious talk. You must be born again. Nicodemus goes, what are you talking about? I'm an old man. How can I climb back into my mother's womb? What was Nicodemus doing? He was doing the same thing that Adam brought into the earth. He was trying to figure the whole thing out using intellect, using reasoning. Yes or no? Yes. And that is the curse that's been on mankind ever since. Now, when you and I become born again, when we receive Christ, when we openly declare, yeah, he's my Lord, he's my Savior, and when we do that... Our spirit comes alive. And all of a sudden, we're aware. We're aware. And as we grow in the things of God, we become more and more aware of the things of the spirit. In fact, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and said, these things are incomparable, they're incomprehensible. They cannot be understood by the natural man, for he thinks they're foolishness. Okay? But when you get born again, you realize, no, the natural man and the natural thinking and the natural reasoning, that's foolishness because it robs us of the reality of who God is. Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen? So what are we talking about? It boils down to this. Our identity is a spiritual matter. It is not something that you can take on in the natural. Now, every one of us up until this point, up until the point of being born again, and up until the point that we allow the word of God to transform the way we think, even though we're born again, we're going to heaven. Some of us are still living under the old identity. And Paul refers to this as the carnal nature, Amen. the fleshly nature. Now, now that person that <laughs> dies in that state doesn't go to hell because their spirit is alive unto God. When you got born again, I got born again, when you said that prayer, my spirit came alive unto God, your spirit came alive unto God, but your soul is still gonna think the same old stinking thinking that you did before until you become a student of the word of god and you allow the word of god now to begin to transform your way of thinking you don't think automatically like you did you don't go into that default mode okay we'll talk about it some more it's a spiritual matter say that with me it's a spiritual matter. now everybody say it it's a spiritual matter. all right so we're going to go to romans chapter 8 verse 5 now Paul got a grasp on this. He got a really good understanding of this. And thank God that the Lord was able to use him to bring this information to us even to this day. Okay? Remember, Adam sinned and Adam lost God consciousness. We could say it this way. When Adam sinned, he lost his awareness of who God is, who God was to him. And he slipped into natural mode. Okay? Jesus comes on the scene. And he makes us aware of the spiritual things and ideally less conscious of the natural. Why is this important? Be- I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but listen to me. Mankind, man- every single one of us, man and woman, we become what we behold. We become what we behold. And as long as you keep seeing yourself in the old identity, you're going to reflect adam you're not going to reflect christ when you begin to allow your mind to start being shaped by the word of god and you begin to think about yourself talk about yourself and conduct yourself like a new creation in christ then your identity begins to reflect the savior Amen. Amen. amen now you could be thoroughly saved going to heaven but still reflect adam You're listening to me. Why? Being born again did not change your soul. It changed your spirit. Being born again made your spirit qualified to enter into heaven. But your soul, which is made up and is very impressionable, is made up of everything that you've been exposed to outside of God up until that point. So your spirit could be going to heaven and your soul is living like it's hell on earth. That's why you have some people that are in a tug of war. Not you, but maybe somebody you know. <laughs> in a tug of war. Your spirit's pulling this way. Your spirit genuinely, when you allow your spirit to have rain in your life, like maybe during praise and worship, because they're like, yes, God, I love you. <laughs> and you, you blocked everything out. Then your spirit's going, yeah, I want to live like this. I want to be like this all the time. And you're like, yeah, this feels good. Yes, <laughs> Oh, Jesus. And then the music stops. And you start looking around the room and you go, look at the way this one showed up dressed today. What'd you do? Natural thinking, natural thinking. Oh, man, why does pastor keep it so cold in here? I know. I know. Why is the music so loud? Well, you know, when you were caught up in the spirit, when you were caught up in that presence of God, I remember one time being in worship service many years ago, many years ago in the other church I used to be in before I went to Bible school. I would get lost. I wasn't I was ushering at the time. I was just—I think I was teaching in the Bible school, whatever it was. I remember one particular service. My wife might remember this. I'm so caught up in worship. I, a nuclear bomb could have went off outside. <laughs> I didn't care about I was just so caught up in the spirit. I'm just so, and I'm not saying this, I'm just, I'm just sharing my experience. So caught up, I didn't care what happened. After, after we're done, we sit down and, and my wife goes, did you hear that lady scream? I'm like, what are you talking about? She you didn't hear the lady scream? I wasn't here. My body was here. But man, I was so caught up. I love worship. Because listen to me, oh gosh. We're, that worship, when we're in that pure worship, it's the closest thing to heaven here on earth. Because what do you think's going on right now up there? 24-7, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is. Are you listening to me? Don't, don't, those of you that stand there like this during worship, you're robbing yourself of a great experience. You are missing out on just checking out of this particular realm and stepping into the other realm. And let me tell you, you need to do that because there's things in that, oh, this is good. There's things in that realm that you can't get until you step into that realm. You don't believe me, I'll prove it to you because some of you recite this scripture all the time you don't realize it. You might have even had it on your checks years ago. For my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches. Where? Say it again, Where? In glory through Christ Jesus. Where's the thing that you need? Where is it? In glory. glory. You're standing here going, they never do my favorite song anymore. (laughs) Oh, the guy on the keyboard hit the wrong note. Why is she dressed like that? Why is it? You're robbing yourself because that's why so many times in that, that environment of worship that the Spirit of God speaks and says, oh, there's somebody here who has a need. There's somebody here who's got a pain here. There's somebody here who's having trouble. There's somebody here who went to the doctor this week. Why? Because we tapped into glory. Listen to me. That's your identity. That's your identity. You have the right to step into that place where the things that you need are at. Because you can't get it from the natural. If you could have got it from the natural, you would have got it already. There are some things that are on deposit. Oh, man, somebody needs to hear this. Because I'm taking a precious time here. The things that you need are not here. They're in that realm. And we get to, do this today. When you go home today, get off by yourself. Go on YouTube, put some worship songs on, and just get in his presence. And all of a sudden, he'll start talking to you. He'll start start speaking. He'll start dropping things in your soul, in your spirit. He'll start imparting things into you. That's the identity that you have. I could have wrapped up this whole series in a few minutes on day one. Your identity is this. You are a supernatural, born-again child of God. You, your spirit is not content until it connects with the spiritual realm. Your spirit, you're always going to feel thirsty. You're always going to feel hungry. You're always going to feel incomplete until you step into and tap into the realm of the supernatural. Amen. You're not a natural person. Your body is here on the earth. Your spirit is connected to God through Jesus in heaven. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. This is the danger we need to watch out for. And this is what the Apostle Paul was warning us about. For those who live according to the flesh. What's the flesh? The carnal nature. The natural, if you're bound to the natural, always the natural, you're always everything, every problem you have, you're trying to fix it in the natural. Every challenge that comes up, you measure it to the natural. Oh, oh, the doctor said I have cancer, I have this, I have COVID, I have whatever other name you want to dream up. What do you start doing? You start going, okay, this is probably what's going to happen. Doctor tells you only got so many months to live. And then when somebody comes up to you and says, you know what? Jesus took that cancer on the cross for you. You go, Oh, uh, well, I don't know if I believe that. But you believe the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not telling you not to listen. Please, don't go out here saying, Pastor Joe said, <laughs> don't listen to it. I'm not saying that. But why is it that we put so much, so much confidence in the word of another man who's practicing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't catch it. Yeah. Yeah. Who's practicing. Okay. And yet we won't put enough confidence in the word of God, which it, it, he cannot lie. Right. He never changes. You listen to it? Why? Why? Because we have, we're more comfortable with the natural. <laughs> we need to be less comfortable with the natural and more comfortable with the things of God. Amen. So he said, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds. Set their minds. This, this kind of is leading us to believe, and I believe it's correct, that you and I have the choice where we're going to set our minds. Yeah. You can set your mind on anything you want. What you set your mind on is what you're going to reflect because we become what we behold. So he said, if you're, good, if you're, if you're, if you're just, just bent on, setting your mind on the things of the natural, then you're going to think about the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit... What do they? What do they set their minds on? The things of the spirit. Next verse. <coughs> For to be carnally minded is what? Death. Death. But to be spiritually minded is life, life and peace. peace. Now this didn't hit me till last night. You guys know we have Saturday night service, right? Six o'clock. Do you guys t- turn to somebody? And say they have a Saturday night service at six o'clock. Okay. During the Saturday night service last night at 6 o'clock here at the Brick Campus, (laughs) the revelation hit me about that word peace. This cannot be referring to when we get to heaven because in heaven there's nothing but peace. Now, if you grew up under a philosophy that taught you that, well, heaven is like the promised land in the Bible and the promised land are like the Bible, Mm-mm. No, it's wrong. Because in the promised land, according to the scriptures, they had giants. They had walls that had to be knocked down. They had enemies to fight. You have none of that in heaven. So this can't be talking about heaven. This is talking about here. So what does it say? The person who sets their mind on the natural things constantly, natural things constantly, my surroundings, what I can see, what I can hear, what I could taste, what I could touch, you're going to reap death. Because you're only, you only develop confidence in the thing that you're seeing. But for those who decide to take that attention off the natural. Oh yeah, that's good. And, 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 and put it on the spirit realm. Will reap life and peace. Now I'm going to go look this up. But I suspect that that word life is the word zoe. Or, or the word soteria in Greek which means the God kind of life. It's life that affects your spirit, your soul, and your body. Peace, when you and I hear peace as a Western Christian, we think, okay, the absence of violence. No. Peace, biblically speaking, is related to the word shalom. The word shalom in Hebrew is not just a greeting. The word shalom in Hebrew carries a picture of being complete, whole, Not disrupted, not dismayed, not disjointed, but complete, okay? When when we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, on the Word of God, on the nature of God, the character of God, the nature of Jesus, we live a life that's fuller and more whole here on the earth, okay? Now, I'm not suggesting it's easy. I'm not suggesting it's easy. It's not. I'll give you an illustration real quick, and then I got to move on. So stop after this. Just say amen, and we'll go on. <laughs> Mark chapter five. Don't go there. I'm going to paraphrase it. Jesus is dealing with a group of different things that are going on. This man who's the head of a synagogue has a, has a daughter who's dying. She's only 12 years old. While he's on the way to this man's house, to lay hands on this little girl to get her healed. A woman comes in the crowd who's had a hemorrhage for 12 years. She's lost strength. She's constantly bleeding. The Bible tells us that she went to all the doctors, she spent all the money she had, and she only grew worse. Okay? She hears that Jesus is in town, she's heard what he's been able to do at other places. And she begins to say, if I could just touch the bottom of his garment, I shall be healed. You listening to me? Watch this now. She goes, now watch this. It's illegal for her to go out of the house with this condition. If they catch her, they can stone her to death. But she figures, if I stay here, I'm going to die. If I go out, if they catch me, I'm going to die. I might as well just try to get to him. And she does. She crawls. She gets to him. She touches the bottom of his robe. He doesn't even know she's there. And Jesus feels power. Go right out from him and go into this woman's body, and she's completely healed. That's a wonderful story. But in the meantime, servants are coming from Jairus' house, the ruler, the head of the synagogue. And they say to Jairus, who's standing there like, my daughter's dying, and he's over here talking to this woman. And the servants come and tell Jairus, don't bother the master any longer. Your daughter has died. Jesus turns to Jairus, doesn't address the servants, and says to Jairus, only believe. What's he saying? What's he saying? Jairus, don't, don't shake your position now. Jairus, you put your job on the line to come and talk to me because if the religious leaders found that, they would fire him as the head of the synagogue. Okay. You put your life on the line. You put your reputation on the line. Jairus, don't now become so obsessed with the natural. What? He just heard his daughter's dead. He's now got to decide, am I going to go with the sorrow in my heart? Or am I going to continue believing that he's able, even if she's dead, he's able to raise her up. And Jesus says to him, basically with Jesus name, don't switch your position. Don't change your stance. Only Believe. What's he saying? Don't give up. Don't get caught up with the natural news you just heard. Your do- daughter's dead. Your daughter's dead. He, Jesus gets to the house. The professional mourners are already outside, wailing and crying and all this stuff. And he says to them, I'm going to paraphrase. Why don't you stop that? She's not dead. She's just sleeping. And now they went from crying to laughing. Why? Because they had more confidence in the natural that they had seen this little girl dead than his words, she's only sleeping. Most of you know the story. He goes in, speaks to this little girl, arise, she raises from the dead, and he presents her back to his father and to her mother. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. You're going to have to decide what identity you're going to walk in. Are you going to walk in continuously being so obsessed with this world? Huh. And all the sin that is in it, Because the Bible tells us, we know sin is attractive. God never says sin's not attractive. He just gives us a choice. What are you going to do? Are you going to fall for that, or are you going to stick with me? You listening to me? Every time you and I are tempted, we should see ourselves as if we're at a fork in the road. I can go for the sin, or I can go for Jesus. I can go for the sin, or I can go for Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus. Because we don't know. We know the sin that we can get involved in. We don't know the consequences of the sin that we yield to. And many people have really destroyed themselves with sorrow. So, our true identity is a spiritual matter. We have the choice whether to pay attention to the natural or pay attention and set our minds on the things of the spirit. It is our true identity is based on our position in Christ. Okay? I'm going to go through this quick because I taught about this last week. I want to go into some new stuff after this, right? Ephesians chapter two, verse four. Our true identity is based on a true position in Christ. Look at real close because you got to move fast. But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, in other words, even when we were still in our sin, <clears throat> made us what? God. God. Go ahead, read it again so I can get a drink of water. I needed that last phrase so I can take a gulp. <laughs> Even when we were dead in trespasses, <coughs> made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved. don't other words, Paul's saying, don't forget that. Next verse, come on. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Pastor, what are you talking about? I never heard this before. When you got born again, your spirit came alive. Do you know, there's three parts to you, you know that, right? All right, uh, let's go through it again. Okay. In the beginning, God created man, right? Yes. Created in his, image, in his image and in His likeness. And the image of God is what? God the Father, Father God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. How many? Three. So then, if we're created in His image and in His likeness, and there should be something tripart about us, right? Yes. Yeah, it is. We are spirit. Yes. The real you is not who we see sitting here. Mm-hmm. The real you is the spirit on the inside that's now alive unto God. So we are a spirit. We have, and we, or we can say it this way, we possess a soul. Yes? yes. And we live in a body. Yes. Yes. How many parts? Three. You see it? Yes. So now, which part got affected when you got born again? Spirit. Your spirit. Your soul has to be programmed. Mm-hmm. Your soul has to be trained to think a certain way. Your soul is going to have to get disconnected from your past. Could you shut those, those doors there, please, Carl? Thank you. Our, our, um, our soul is impressionable. Okay, it's just like your computer. Whatever you put in it is what you're going to find. Okay, if you didn't put it in there, it's not going to be in there. Okay? So our soul now needs to be exposed to the Word of God so that we begin to assume that identity and we disconnect from our old identity. Right? So... When you got born again, now your soul and your body, it's very evident that it's here on earth. Your spirit is here, very evident. Because, why? Because you're still, you're breathing, you're talking, you're thinking. When the spirit leaves the body, the body dies. <laughs> yes or no? Yes. I, I know you're wondering about some people, but for the most part, when the spirit leaves the physical body, the body dies. Yes. Yes. But watch this now. We are now born again children of God but our position is here on earth, soul, body, predominantly. But our spirit now that's come alive is not just here in this body. That spirit is also connected to God, the Father, and Jesus Christ in heaven. Let's, can we go back to that verse before this, please? Thank you, Jonathan. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with who? Christ. Because that's where you are now. That's why over and over again, if you want to do yourself a really great favor, go through the New Testament letters from, from Romans all the way through and circle or underline or highlight every time you see the phrase in Christ, in Him, through Him. Okay? Every time. And you're going to be like, wow, I didn't even recognize this. Why? Because that's your identity Now. Now. That's your identity now. Who are you? I'm in Christ. My spirit is connected. So watch this now. The Bible tells us, and and write this down for yourself because I don't have time. Read Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 15 down to the end of the chapter, and then read Ephesians chapter 2. (laughs) Because until you read Ephesians chapter 1, Jonathan, give me Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 real quick. You're going to write this down? I'm talking to you guys. Okay, come on. Ephesians 1, verse 15. The Apostle Paul writing to the people at Ephesus. (coughs) Could you give me a cough drop or something? (coughs) No, No, I don't want that. Don't worry about it. Okay, we're wasting time. Brian, go get me one. Go get me one off my desk. Thank you. I don't like this flavor. All right. Hey, it's real here, folks. The Apostle Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus, which is a modern-day Turkey today, okay? At that time, it was one of the biggest... Christian communities in the whole Roman Empire. And, he, and, and this is one of his prayers. Now, this is important because this prayer obviously is inspired by the Holy Spirit because it's, it's in the Bible. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith, Ephesians, in the Lord Jesus and of your love for all the saints, <clears throat> come on, keep going, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So this is a prayer that we can pray. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. If you're going to pray for me, pray this prayer for me. Amen. Pray this prayer for me. The eyes of your understanding, that's your spirit, being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That's who we are. Okay, next verse. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Now it starts getting good. What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who? Believe. So if we don't believe, there is no exceeding great power. To us who believe. According to his mighty power, keep going, which he, God, worked in Christ when God raised Jesus from the dead and seated Jesus at his right hand. If you're looking this way, it's going to be the other side. His right hand in heavenly places. Watch it. Stop. Where's Jesus? Oh, he's not in Jerusalem? He's not in New York. He's not No, he's not on the earth anymore. Where is he? (laughs) Seated next to God the Father. Who's on the earth? Holy Spirit. Spirit. Which he God worked in Christ who raised him to the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Read this with me nice and loud. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Next verse. And he, God, put all things under his Jesus' feet and gave Jesus to be the head over all things to the church. Who's the head? Who's the body? Which, here it is, which is his, Jesus' body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. We are, in the original language, the ecclesia, the separated from the world, governing body of the kingdom of God here on the earth. Amen. Now, can you separate the head from the body? No. Can you separate the body from the head? No. So wherever the head is, the body is. So if he's seated in heavenly places and we're in him, our spirit is seated in heavenly places with him. Amen. Are you catching this? Yes. So if he's far above all principality, yeah, principality, might, and dominion, then you and I are over and far above all principality, might, and dominion. Watch us now. Principality, powers, mights, dominions, the darkness of this age are all rankings in the kingdom of darkness. You catching this? Because we just think sometimes the Holy Spirit just throws words in there because it's like when we did essays in school. We wanted to put as many words in there as possible. No. Principalities, mights, dominions, and here's power too, right? Powers. They are different rankings of beings in the kingdom of darkness. Just like you have archangels, you have regular angels, you've got cherubims, you have seraphims in the kingdom of God in heaven. Okay, there's heavenly beings in heaven we've never seen yet in the natural. Okay, someday we'll see them when we get there. Odd creatures, Okay. The same thing, see, Satan is a counterfeiter, so he counterfeits the kingdom of darkness. So he has rankings of demons and rankings of evil spirits, but that's not the important part. The important part is it says there that Jesus Christ is seated in heavenly places at the right hand of God, far above all principalities, powers, mights, and dominions. He's over the whole kingdom of darkness. But let me ask you this question if we're in him and he's over the kingdom of darkness, then who else is over the kingdom of darkness? So why don't we start praying from that position of a position of looking down on everything rather than we and our religious denominations have taught us that we're just these weak old worms in the dust. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Now you're either a sinner or you're saved by grace. Which one is it? Okay. And, and we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And not only that, but watch this. The very last words that Jesus spoke on the earth before he ascended are the very first words he's going to hold us accountable for. And he told us in Matthew 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them, teaching them to obey, teaching them everything that I taught you. What is he saying? What did he start out with? all authority has been given unto me now you're in me so if all authority's been given unto me and you're in me then all authority now I'm giving unto you what does that sound like Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 God created us in his image and in his likeness he created them male and female and then he said let them have what dominion, dominion. let them have dominion let them have rulership let them have authority So what did Jesus do before he left the earth? Disciples? Church? Body of Christ? I'm going to remind you of your original identity in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. He could have said it this way. Instead of saying all authority has been given unto me, he could have said it this way. All dominion has been given unto me. Now you go. You hearing me? Right back to the original. Why? Because that's what Jesus came to do. He came to undo. He came to restore everything that Adam lost for us. Adam lost that authority. He forfeited it. He gave it to the devil. And at that point, the devil became the God, little g, God of this world. Adam gave Satan this planet. Jesus came to raise up a group of people that would take it back. Why? Why didn't Jesus just take it back? Who lost it? Man. Man who's going to regain it? Man. Who did the devil trick in the beginning? Man. Who's the devil going to have to deal with now? Man. The church. How humiliating is it that a supernatural being would have to take orders from a flesh and blood and bone individual, a human being. And that's why Jesus said, I'm not done shoving it in this guy's face. Because when I leave here, The authority that I have, I'm giving to you. And so when you tell Satan, shut your mouth. When you tell Satan, get your hand off of so-and-so. When you tell Satan, stop destroying, stop robbing, stop killing. He's got to listen to you. When you speak in the authority that Jesus gave us. Are you listening? Now watch this. Here's the danger. I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter 3, Jonathan. Okay? Starting in verse 1. We're going to go right back to the beginning of the series. Here's the danger. This hit me on the second week that I put the material together for this series. Watch this. Satan never told Eve, stop worshiping God and worship me. Satan never told Eve... Stop following God and follow me. He was content for her to have a relationship with God to an extent. But what he was successful doing was this. He got Eve's eyes off of God and onto self. Now the serpent was more cunning than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said to the woman, to the woman, okay, watch, what's he saying? Come on. Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be made open, or will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Where did he place the attention on? Eve. Eve. The devil doesn't care. The devil's not out to turn everybody into Satan worshipers. The devil's out for just one thing, to get you to get your eyes off of God and to get your eyes on self. Yes. And we as a human, the human race has been suffering under that for all these thousands of years. Some people didn't go to church this morning because they looked in the mirror and thought, I have nothing nice to wear. Look at all the weight I gained. I look terrible, my hair looks terrible. I I couldn't say that, but. You see what I'm saying? I don't feel like I, I'm not comfortable, I. Self, self. Man has had his eyes on self ever since and the devil's been behind the scenes laughing at us for all these thousands of years. Adam and Eve were created totally enraptured, totally captivated, totally, if I could put it this way, obsessed with the presence of God. They didn't even have a clue that they were naked. They were were not conscious of themselves at all. As soon as sin came into the world, they went from this to this, constantly worrying about self, do you notice that every time many of us, when we're faced with challenge, the first thing we think about is how it's going to affect me. I can't do this. I can't do that. The fear of failure has crippled individuals. Because the real fear is not about the, real fear is not about the failure. The real fear is, what am I going to look like when I fail? Pastor, I can't, I, can't, I can't teach a Sunday school class. I can't teach a kid's class. I, I, I'll make a fool out of myself. Oh, that's what you're worrying about. You're not concerned for the welfare of the children. You're concerned about what it's going to make you look like. Are you getting it? And he's destroyed us and made us crippled and paralyzed us in our personalities, in our character, in our nature. Because we're so consumed with self, 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 all the time. A project comes up. Some some family needs financial help. And all of a sudden, we present the need, and the first things that that people start thinking is, I need a car myself. I got bills to pay. I got to go food shopping. I got it. I got it. Me, 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 me. It is completely contrary to the nature of Christ. The selfless, spotless, totally committed to everyone else's needs, Lamb of God. And that's why he's the only one qualified to go to the cross to rescue you and to rescue me. Last scripture and we're done. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1. Maybe this scripture now that's very familiar is going to mean so much more to us today. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us Read it nice and loud with me, all the yellow letters. Ready, one, two, three. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'll take it from here. Who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down, here we are full circle, and has sat down, where? At the right hand of the throne of God. And let me tell you this. Jesus would not have been able to fulfill what God sent him to the earth to do if his eyes were on self instead of his eyes on you and on me. Amen. Are you listening? Yes. He took his eyes off himself. The enemy tried because that's what the Garden of Gethsemane is all about. In that garden, he said, God, if it's at all possible, Father, if it's at all possible, if this cup could pass from me in other words is there any other way that we can do this He is so stressed out he's so burdened by the natural he knows what he's going to have to endure he knows what the Romans are going to do to him he knows what it's going to be like to have those spikes driven through his hands his wrists and his feet he knows what it's like already to have that crown of thorns crushed on his head And so the natural side of Jesus comes out for just a few minutes because he's 100% man and 100% God. And then then he, he comes to himself and goes, not my will, but your will be done. And the Bible tells us that he receives strength to endure the cross, to endure the shame He had to be completely empty of self. Here is the creator of the universe who the Bible tells us that nothing that was made was made without him. Nailed to a piece of wood while the very people that he came to save are mocking him. Oh, he's supposed to be the Messiah? Let him come down from the cross and we'll believe in him. They spit on him. They ripped out his beard. Here's, Here's the one. Who commanded the waves and the sea to be calm. Do you not think with one snap of his fingers he could have wiped out every one of those individuals that were torturing him? And yet he keeps his position and doesn't allow himself to be moved by the horrible pains, by the wounds that he received. Why? There's a higher calling. You and I would have went to hell. There wouldn't be one human being in heaven if he didn't go to the cross the way he did. Completely devoid of any self-preservation. He threw himself into it for you and for me. And I'm going to give an invitation in just a moment. And the first thought that are going to come to people's head, I can't raise my hand. What are people going to think about me? I can't let anybody know here. So what do people think about me? There's been times when the spirit of God has offered the challenge for an individual to come up here to get healed and they they won't come. Well, if I what I'm going to make a spectacle of myself and don't receive. <coughs> don't let your pride. Don't let that curse that came down to us from Adam stop you from receiving your salvation today. So, this is what I want you to do. I want everybody to stand up. Church, Jesus Christ came and died on the earth for you and for me. Fact. Your sins have already been forgiven, there's no reason for you to go to hell. It's just a gift that's waiting on deposit for you to receive. But you have to receive it. I can't receive it for you. You can't receive it for me. You have to, as an act of your very own will, say, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord. I want him to be my Savior. I want to disconnect from my past identity. I want to connect with this new life that's available through him. I'm going to ask every one of you right now to just bow your heads and close your eyes. This is a very private time. I want to make this as easy as possible. If you've never prayed a prayer to ask Jesus to come into your heart, come into your life, if you've never acknowledged your belief in him, or maybe you have in the past and you've just gotten distracted and got off track, and you want to today rededicate your life to Jesus Christ, right now, without any hesitation, lift one hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Let me see your hands. I can't see where you are. Thank you. 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 Anybody else? Don't let your pride stop you from receiving. Thank you, sir. Thank you back there. Amen. Okay. Open your eyes. Look at me. Okay. We're going to pray this prayer all together as one group. But here's what I want you to do. Watch this now. There are at least a dozen of you that raise your hands, probably more. After we pray, everyone else is going to be Dismissed. I want you to seal this deal. But before you leave this place, you come up front here and you tell somebody that's standing in front here, I prayed that prayer today. Why is that important? It's extremely important. Listen, the Bible tells us that we're a peculiar people. A chosen people. A royal priesthood. We're not supposed to fit in. We're supposed to stand out. We're different. I'm going to give you the opportunity after we pray For you to step out and say, I did that. I prayed that prayer. You come up here. We'll put a Bible in your hand. We'll put some other materials in your hand. Why? This is not the end of the trip. This is the beginning of the journey. This is the beginning of the greatest adventure that you're ever going to be on the rest of your life. Amen? Amen. Let's say this prayer, all of us together. Father, Father, I believe 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 that Jesus Christ Christ is the Son of God. God. I believe 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 he went to the cross on my behalf He paid for my sins. I believe that he rose again from the dead and that he's alive right now and he hears me. So Jesus, I ask you with all of my heart, please be my Lord. Be my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come and live inside me. Thank you for making me a child of God in Jesus name, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. amen amen now listen to me I'm calling on those of you that raise your hand I'm calling on you with all boldness and courage that if Jesus Christ could go naked to the cross all through the streets of Jerusalem you can at least walk to 25 30 feet to come up here and say I prayed that prayer I want I-, I want some materials I want we want to know who you are I see your face, I saw your hands, I don't know you. You need to make that declaration. Amen? Amen. Listen to me. Shove it in the devil's face. Don't let him make you self-conscious. Today, you become God-conscious. Amen? God bless you. You're dismissed. Those of you that prayed that prayer for the first time, you raised your hand, come up here.